Imagination is the first step towards taking responsibility for your life. Look around you. What do you see? Ask yourself a better question to go beyond your own frontiers. Sometimes it only takes a bit of inspiration, a bit of information, a bit of insight that takes you in a new direction. This is the Beyond Frontiers podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm truly, truly excited because I get to spend time with two guests that are experts in two areas that I'm deeply curious about, Vietnam and the real estate market over there. These two co-founders uh, of the real estate firm Redstone Asia Property, and they specialize in discovering, investing, and buying properties in Vietnam. They know what it takes to get things done in Vietnam, and they've helped multiple clients in Hong Kong, China, and Europe invest in property in Vietnam. So, welcome to the podcast, Antoine and John Nicholas. Thank you. Yeah, very nice to see you again. Great to see you guys. Off camera, we had a chance to bond a little bit, and I got to know you guys. And what I found common with all of us was our interest and excitement in Vietnam and opportunity over there. So you two guys had a successful banking career. Then you went over to Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City, and saw this huge potential. So what actually did you see? What made you so excited? What are the things that just came across your mind and went, I need to start doing this? Yeah. So it's uh, quite simple. Uh, what was striking us really when we went to Saigon for the first time is uh, the dynamism of the country. So Vietnam is not even an emerging country. It's still at the frontier country uh, stage. Um, but what you can see is the country is deeply opening to the world. First of all, there was this new investment law for foreigners that came up in 2015 that totally changed the landscape of investments for foreigners that basically allowed any foreigner to own 100% property in Vietnam. Coming after that, during the period, uh, those few years recently, the Vietnamese government started to do partnership all over the world. Uh, so the most, uh, most noticeable are probably the integrating first the World Trade Organization. More recently, you have this partnership with the European Union. Um, so the, the target is to reach a 99% uh, decrease of taxes on export from Vietnam to the European Union by 2025. Then after doing these treaties, so to boost uh, business, um, you can look at the population. So the population of Vietnam is, is quite impressive because to the opposite of Japan where the population is aging a lot, the population of Vietnam is actually very young. You have about 50% of the population as under 35 years old, which make it what we call the golden age population. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So you, you can really feel the, the dynamism of, uh, of the country when you go there. Uh, one of the things that has been uh, striking is uh, the pace, the pace of the economy. Uh, it's quite impressive. So you have a GDP reaching 7% every year uh, since, since a few years. And uh, experts expected to, to remain uh, at this, this level of 6-7% for, for the years to come. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I definitely can see it. I mean, I just came back from Ho Chi Minh City. And, oh, on the streets, you just had 20-year-olds, under 30s, enjoying themselves, working, young professionals, spending. Mm -hmm. If I was talking to new investors or you are talking to new investors, I'm sure there are so many options out there. Um, other countries like emerging markets like China, uh, they can go into developed markets you know, like Sydney, London for property. But now you guys obviously have this great understanding of Vietnam. How do you tell your clients or investors this is the place that you should bring your money and capital and invest in this country now? So uh, when it's about real estate investments, you will look at uh, where the country is at now mm. 
and where, where you see the country going in the future, so the potential of growth, basically. Uh, to look at the potential of growth, you got to look at several factors. For, first of all, uh, in countries like Vietnam, Southeast Asia, uh, kind of frontier emerging markets, you will look at the stability of the country. Uh, so the, the good thing of Vietnam is in terms of uh, stability, politically, the country has only one party. So one party means, uh, so it's a communism party, one party means uh, easy to take decision, easy to move, on, move forward, to take the, the good decision that will make the, the, the economy and the country move forward. Mm. Uh, in terms of religion, you have no much impact uh, of uh, any, there is no major, major uh, religion like you can see in Indonesia, for example, or Malaysia. In terms of uh, infrastructure, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really an important point because uh, when you look at uh, developed countries, uh, the population of cities is growing following uh, the development of infrastructure. So usually it starts around cities, then goes to suburb of those big cities, mm. and uh, it creates a big urbanization uh, in the in the country. So for Vietnam, we're expecting uh, 34 to 40 percent uh, urbanization rate for the years to come. Uh, the infrastructure level is actually very low right now. Uh, so you have a big big lake of um, uh, roads. Uh, general common transportation bridges that link different areas. Mm. So we can say that uh, the government of Vietnam is, act is working um, fully on this topic and there is a huge pipeline of, uh, of infrastructure development for the years to come. Mm. So we, we can see it already. So when you go to Hanoi or Shimin, for example, you have the first metro lines uh, in construction yeah. with Hanoi, the capital, having its metro line, its first metro line being completed for next year, 2020. For Ho Chi Minh, uh, it will come one year later in 2021. So those are huge evolution for the cities when you see the, the, the traffic jam, uh, the huge problem of traffic jam with uh, motorbikes, uh, cars. But you also see the, the construction of uh, new bridges and tunnels that mm. allow to uh, linked from one district to another, so some new development area uh, are, are being built in both cities. Yeah, on, on my side, um, what we have often from clients is that they don't know the country, so it, they would think it's risky. So it's, a, it's still an emerging country, so there is some risk. But it's also in terms of timing, uh, it, it goes very quickly, right? Uh, it evolves, uh, the economy, uh, increase very fast as well. Um, and we have lots of young clients. They usually have between one to five million Hong Kong dollars. And you know, in Hong Kong, they are frustrated because they cannot purchase a property uh, because of the cost, right? And they wonder what to do with this amount. And then they think about countries like Vietnam. So Vietnam, you can definitely own a property at this price. You can hold it for one, two years, very short time. So. That's the, one of the great places where you can own a high-end property for such a low price in a perfect location and then exit the market when you, when you need it to invest in the location that you are, where you are based or where you prefer, like Hong Kong, by example. Right. So that's the type of strategy um, that we usually we advise uh, clients, right. um, not only for them to make profits, but also for their, I would say, uh, lifetime strategy as well, mm -hmm. right? To have more profits yeah. for the future. So it almost sounds like the story, the narrative that you guys have is that Vietnam right now is young, vibrant, exciting, and the government is thinking or doing a lot to make the country stronger with infrastructure, with policies. So it's a matter of coming now before it's too late almost, before the metro gets done, before the roads get done, before property prices move back to maybe other levels as other developed countries as it moves on on its road to development. And I suppose here is uh, the question. Uh, after all, it is a frontier market. Is it something that people should look out for? Is uh, a government such as in Vietnam, how much they can trust a socialist government, let's say? And also, 
is there other similarities in the story, such as other cities or other countries that have been through this before? And then a lot of people who have come to you go, I've seen this before, unfolding now in Vietnam and in Saigon and in Hanoi. As a similarity, you can, in terms of real estate market, you can probably compare with China 20, 30 years ago. Mm. Uh, so as an example, you can compare uh, Hanoi with the capital Beijing mm. and uh, Ho Chi Minh would be more uh, cities like Shanghai, uh, so more uh, economic focus, while Hanoi is more um, political, politically focused. Uh, in terms of growth, uh, those two cities uh, are actually very different, uh, maybe probably from a geographical perspective and also background perspective. Uh, Hanoi being much closer from China and Ho Chi Minh being more in the south, more independent and more uh, kind of metropole uh, opening to the world. So most of people can know about China, how successful the country became. It's exactly the same picture for Vietnam because they, they saw what happened to China and they are doing the same for the country. Mm. but in a much faster way because they opened the door to uh, foreign investment. Mm. So you have, the, um, I would say, uh, the knowledge uh, from the Western side mm. uh, and they would leverage on the local people to, to help build the country. So it's a win-win situation for, mm. the, for locals and, uh, and the foreigners as well. Yeah. yeah, so on the five, ten year, even longer, um, we don't think that uh, Vietnam economy will slow down any further. We think that the foreign direct investment has been so strong since uh, 2015, so growing every year. If you look at 2019, the, the FDI uh, grew by 7.3% uh, year on year. It has been the case since a few years already. So foreign countries are so involved uh, in the country, uh, like for example, for the construction of the, the MRT, mm. the, the metro station, uh, uh, I mentioned before, Japan, Japan Sumitomo uh, company is 50% uh, uh, investors in the, in the project. Yeah. So um, I don't think Vietnam, Vietnamese government has any interest to, to close, close the country. And I think that uh, we are only at the beginning of the story and uh, the country will open up further. Uh, so thanks to the, those trade agreements I mentioned earlier. And thanks also to the industrial area that the country is developing around Ho Chi Minh, around Hanoi, uh, the northern port, the northern port of uh, Haiphong. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of room to go. Uh, I would say to investors, uh, the sooner the better, uh, of course. But it's not like you aren't entering now or, or never. Uh, you still have many years to, to come in, participate to the development of the country, make some, uh, some good deals, uh, invest in, uh, in the good, good opportunities right. with some yield capital appreciation. And I suppose it leads on to uh, another question is, what do you think about the development or the growing importance in Southeast Asia? And where do you see Vietnam in that picture, uh, especially its role to play? So no, Vietnam is definitely one, becoming one of the key players in Southeast Asia. So you had Thailand, which attracted lots of foreign investment in the, in the past years, and Vietnam is just following. So they are, I would think they are right between Thailand and Cambodia or Myanmar, yeah. which just opened their doors. So Vietnam is like now the time where they, they can increase the economy, like it's the, the, the right timing for them. I don't remember where, where I read this, but I still remember deeply impacted by these words by uh, the current Singaporean Prime Minister and also his father, Lee Guan Yu, which is one of the people I, I, I follow. And he, he said, if there's one country in Southeast Asia to watch, it would be Vietnam. And for me, that struck a really, really deep chord in me because before that, I had no idea that Vietnam was growing so fast, growing so well, or so, so strong. And uh, just talking to you guys is gross to just confirm the, the nuts and bolts, really what's happening. Just confirms a bit of the story that, that a lot of people hear but not really believe in just yet. If you look at the, uh, the history and the, and the geography, uh, 
uh, you will see that <coughs> Southeast Asia has always been uh, a kind of platform that connects uh, the north with China, Japan, Korea. To the east you have the Pacific, to the west you have the in Indian, uh, Indian country, yeah. and uh, Australia in the south. So Southeast Asia as a whole has always been central, very central. Vietnam is actually located in the middle with a, a coast of uh, several thousand kilometers uh, all along from China to Cambodia, Thailand, etc. So in terms of geography, um, Vietnam is ideally located. If you are in Ho Chi Minh, you can have a flight of two hours to Hong Kong, a flight of two hours to Singapore. Yeah. So the country, maybe people don't know exactly when they look at Vietnam, but it's a very long country. So very long cost, attracting lots of tourism. And uh, by train, by example, from Ho Chi Minh to Hanoi, you need 35 hours. Yeah. Very long country. It's two hours by flight. Right. So just picture that Hong Kong Taipei, yes. one hour and a half. Yes. So just the country is longer than that distance. Right. And um, tourism is increasing very quickly. Uh, by example, Da Nang becoming a very hot spot for, for tourists. Uh, with Hoi An as well, which is a cultural site. It's becoming uh, popular. Uh, one of the top spots uh, for, for this year to, uh, to travel to. Yeah. Um, so it became more under the spotlight compared to before 2015. Um, so now people hear more about Vietnam, so they are intrigued about this country. And some think, okay, maybe it's already too late, but it's just the beginning. Um, right. you, you need to build now because the people are coming to the country and it takes years to build that. I think that's a very important point. I think a lot of people are going, uh, am I too late? If it's too late, then why should I go? I think you guys went in at a very interesting time in 2015, right, if I'm not mistaken, when you started Redstone. And then you got to see the very start. And now you've reaping the benefits, I suppose, of seeing things moving up. And I suppose the message today is Vietnam is the place to be in the next few years. So you should get in now. So let's really go into the details because a lot of people who I talk to they recognize the opportunity in Vietnam and they want to invest in property in the country, but they don't know how. What are the nuts and bolts? How do they do it? What should they look for, actually? I think that's a really important question. So probably let's start with that one. What are people looking for? What do you see people looking for in Vietnam and what's popular? So that can be a very challenging thing for investors. So that's why we created Redstone to be close to clients in Hong Kong and really support them to invest in the country. Mm -hmm. um, in the end, the investors, the clients, they just want to have a part of the pie in the country, right? They have to be part of this uh, economy. So we are here to help them. Before they invest, we want them to understand the country. What is happening in there? What is the potential for the future as well, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to make clear with that, that they receive some risk in Vietnam but they are still limited compared to how the country is evolving. And in the end, we would have them to like, purchase a property and then to manage the property and exit the market when it's needed. Right? So they can go into the market safely and then we have them to move out. Yeah. So when you invest in this kind of country, uh, usually our clients come from countries where the, the real estate market is really mature. Hong Kong is really mature. Uh, you look at Shanghai, Shenzhen, um, even Japan, Korea, all those markets are very mature and uh, investors are very experienced. Uh, what they need to invest in this kind of country is visibility, mm. transparency. They want to be sure of where they're going, for what kind of product. Um, and they want, of course, make yield or looking for capital appreciation. Um, mm -hmm. One of those two, or the two. So what we will uh, look at, uh, so we will make kind of uh, sorting already what kind of project is interesting, uh, what kind of developer is trustable, uh, to find the, the best investment in terms of uh, yield and capital appreciation, but also make sure that those, those deals are not going to blow up. Uh, we don't want projects that will be uh, delayed or stopped or whatever can happen. Um, this can happen in any real estate market in the world. Uh, this right. happens in Western countries as well, where developers will have financial issues. 
so we, we want as we stone to make sure that uh, where our clients invest is a safe investment that will uh, be profitable for them. Yeah. And so what is the most profitable thing for the, for, for your investors or your, for your clients? Would it be commercial? Would it be residential? What is the play here? So honestly, at the moment, real estate is under supply on all the aspects. Mm -hmm. So if you are able to purchase residential, commercial, even an office, you, you will make profits on that. Uh, wow. enough. That's why it's being, a lot are being built right now. Um, at the moment, it's, it may be a bit more difficult to rent it out because you need more people, more expats to come into the country. In terms of capital appreciation, it increases in all the aspects for real estate. Right. So you cannot really go wrong, especially what is happening right now in Vietnam from what we just mentioned earlier. Right. In terms of product, you will still have some uh, limitation, mm. uh, meaning that not everyone can buy anything. Uh, you will have more restriction on lands, for example. Um, more restriction on the offices. Um, on the opposite side, for everything that will be residential or even uh, retail within condominium, like a shop house on the first floors of a, of a building, for example. For this, you won't have any restriction and you can own a certificate, ownership certificate uh, on your name. I'm going to go back to those things, but I'm not going uh, to let you guys off the hook just yet. I think people are very interested in knowing a bit of the numbers around the property and how much it will cost and how much looking at yields. I think that's mostly what people have in their heads at the moment. Can you talk about and explain a bit more to people who are listening? Uh, what are the numbers? So that, that really depends on the, on the location you want to invest in and the type of uh, projects as well. It can be tourism, uh, for tourism like resorts, or residential in the big cities. Um, by example, Ho Chi Minh, which is the, the hot area at the moment, the trendy area, you would target between 1,000 to 10,000 USD per square meter. Right. So that really depends on the location, the quality, the developer. Uh, it's, that's what we assess as well. Yeah. Right? Um, in addition to that, in terms of rental yield, you can target between 4 to 8%. Right. And this is residential? So for residential only, which is, compared to Hong Kong, a very high yield. Yeah. Right. And it's what some clients are looking for. Um, so you can do both capital appreciation and yield and also affordability. Uh, mm -hmm. Currently, the market for the same type of property, same size, same location, by example, next to the, the metro station, it's a very competitive price in Vietnam compared to the neighbor countries. No, it does sound pretty good. And just before you leave on that point, you mentioned developers. So what kind of developers are there in, in that you look after yes. and you work with? Since 2015, I mean, even before, but since we have this new law, we have a lot more international developers coming to that. So they bring the quality, they bring their knowledge yeah. to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So we, are, we also assist the developers to make sure that uh, it's safe for the clients to invest. And usually you have either the big local developers, such as Vingroup. So Vingroup is like Samsung in Korea. Huge uh, developer. So not only residential, they do uh, shopping malls, hospitals, yeah. schools, so very big. But in terms of international developers, you have big players as well, like Hong Kong Land, Capital Land from Singapore, Keppel Land, they're already there. They already have projects being built or already completed. So it brings also this value for, for investors because some clients, they just trust those developers because they know that if they invest in that country, it means there is potential for that country. Right. I, I think on paper, it sounds super attractive for, for people who are you know, just looking for affordable housing or looking for an investment vehicle or investment assets. But let's move back to the restrictions question. I think a lot of people are scared and their fear is that they go into the market not knowing any, everything and then being surprised by something. Mm -hmm. So what are the restrictions? What do they have to look out for? Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people ask, what are the taxes? Okay, so let's start with um, <clears throat> the buying process first. Mm. Uh, developers uh, propose several kind of scheme. Um, usually, it's, uh, the difference is mainly on the, the frequency of payments of your property. Uh, so th those schemes can be very flexible. So for example, you can um, buy 
a property on plan that will be built uh, for during a 2.53 years period. Uh, during this period, we'll only pay 50% of the of the product uh, spread, uh, for example, 10% every six months until uh, handover, and pay the remaining amounts uh, at handover. So, for this, you have to be careful. Um, those payment schemes are very attractive, but you need to make sure that uh, you will sign the sales and purchase agreement with the SPA as quickly as possible. So usually when you do the first deposit, first down payment, uh, the developer will ask you to come to Vietnam and uh, sign this contract within uh, three months, usually. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Once you have this uh, sales and purchase agreement, you are covered um, until handover, when at this point you will uh, request uh, to get the ping book, which will be the, the final uh, certificate of, uh, of ownership. So once an investor gets both SPA and ping book, the, the, the investor is legally covered. Any investor will need to seek for those two, two documents. Uh, only one can be enough, but better to, to get both, especially right. on this kind of market. And that would yeah. be the buying process in a nutshell, I suppose. I think taxes would be the next one they'll have to look out for, huh? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question we get uh, every time, of course. Uh, the tax system is actually competitive uh, compared to many other countries. So you will have a VAT uh, of 10% uh, to pay at uh, purchase. Okay. To that, you will add a 2% maintenance fee. Then you will have, um, once, you, once you put your apartment uh, on rent, uh, you will pay 10% uh, of uh, rental income uh, to the government, yeah. which is quite okay. Uh, and there is no such uh, capital, uh, capital value appreciation tax. So once it's time to resell, uh, you will pay a 2% tax on the resale price. Um, right just on the resale price, so it's not, nothing to do with the capital appreciation, which is important in a, in a market where the capital appreciation is actually growing very right. fast. Yeah. yeah, that's a sweet deal, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and just to add a very yeah. important point, um, the inheritance tax is zero. Okay. So you have lots of investors who would purchase a unit and they really would uh, give it to their, their kids. Right? Yeah. So there's no tax at all on that. Very competitive. Yeah. Uh, interesting for, for clients. Yeah. Super interesting to know. Good fact. Uh, I think a lot of people who have been to Saigon or haven't been to Saigon, I think they'll know a little bit about their currency, the Viennese Dong. Uh, everyone's walking around with million dollar bills almost, <laughs> or yeah. half a million dollar bills. So what's the currency at the moment like? And is there an impact or effect on decision making? Yes, yeah, so the, the currency is also one of the very important points. Uh, is actually one of the risks that is not really hedgeable. Mm -hmm. So you need to understand perfectly how it works. Um, so in any country, the currency, uh, the currency is really linked to uh, import-exports. Uh, so for years, as a, as a big export country, uh, the Vietnam had just less its currency depreciates for the last 10-20 years. Since uh, 2015, uh, the market, uh, the government decided to, to set uh, daily currency rates um, on a more market-based uh, methodology right. uh, to bring more trust uh, for foreign, foreign investor, investors in the, in the country. Because once, once you enter the country, every transaction has to be done in Vietnamese Dong. Mm -hmm. uh, used to be, the USD used to be more involved in the, in the country, but now the, the country is going towards a more Vietnamese Dong uh, transactions. So currency being dominant. Yeah. So since this period, since 2015, the currency has been more stable, uh, still depreciating, right. but at a pace uh, more okay compared to, compared to the past. Over the last two years, uh, most of the effects have actually come from the trade war between China and US. Because Vietnam is really correlated to those two countries. Uh, so when trade, trade war started, uh, there is a kind of um, kind of affect uh, the Vietnamese currency as well. 
and you can see a spike uh, uh, going on the currency, more devaluation uh, once uh, once a trade war is uh, triggered. And any issues if you were to, let's say, invest, exit that you mentioned, John Nicholas, any issues with taking your money back to, let's say, Hong Kong or to wherever you are? So there's no limitation in terms of amount that you want to move up. The only requirement is to prove that you paid the tax. So that's why we make sure the clients that they, they pay their tax right. for any transaction that they do. Um, as soon as you can confirm that, and also you, you prove that you have the sales and purchase agreement from this uh, apartment, you can exit the, your, your money out of the country. Uh, because the banks, they manually check any transaction request that you do. So as soon as you want to move the money out, then they will request the documents on that side. Right. It's fascinating to actually get a chance to ask these questions to two guys that actually have the answers instead of guessing. But what's good about this is we have that knowledge now about the basics, the facts, our foundational knowledge. Let's go beyond that now. What are things that you see in the market right now as great opportunities? I think you mentioned tourism as a huge one. And I think you have one that you like to talk about, but I'll probably start with the tourism one. Uh, what are the tourism opportunities out there? And what would you advise clients if they're interested in some more interesting options? So, as I mentioned, the cost is very long, right? Um, today, most of the projects that you can invest in are for long-term lease agreement. Right. Because the, the, the cost belongs to the, the government and military. And for security purposes, you, you cannot give 100% ownership to, uh, to foreigners. But they can still hold the property um, for 50 years, uh, which is the long-term lease that I mentioned. And you have several locations, by example, Danang, Hoi An, very popular place. Uh, everyone who goes there wants to, to purchase in that area. A bit more expensive, but the, the city is evolving fast as well. Uh, so safe investment for that location. Then you have Nyacha, a bit less famous, um, but also increasing as well, uh, beca becoming trendy uh, after that. Then for people who want to be closer to the big cities, so you have Ho Chi Minh, then they, they would go to Vung uh, Tao or Ho Tram. Uh, so that's why you have like resorts, uh, they call that the Hamptons. Of <laughs> <laughs> so very inter interesting area, uh, especially you have casino and one of the best golf course uh, of the country right. uh, in Ho Tram. So very attractive for locals and also foreigners to invest in. Okay. Yeah. And what would you what would you do? It uh, something interesting that you would advise your clients, Antoine? Yeah, actually, uh, two two projects a bit different from residential that I would advise. Uh, so more one uh, targeted to individuals, uh, rather wealthy individuals, and one uh, reserved for companies to invest in. So. The one for individuals would be the shop house. Uh, so the shop house is probably the, the most interesting product in the market right now. Mm -hmm. So any individual uh, can invest in a shop house. So shop house, uh, just to describe, are all those um, little shop houses uh, located at the bottom of condominiums. So almost all condominiums will have a shop house at the bottom. And you have seen a huge growth uh, in, in yield and capital appreciation on those products. So the, the, the ticket uh, to enter this market is usually about 1 million USD, uh, but evolving very fast. We uh, advised the clients to enter this market a few months ago, and we have seen already 10-20% increase in, wow. in a few months only. Uh, also, it's really safe product, uh, usually capital guaranteed uh, and yield guaranteed by the, by the developer. So, take some project in the, in the region of Taodian in Ho Chi Minh, for example. The developer will guarantee the yield for five, six years uh, after completion, after handover. So, the developer will take care of filling up the shop house, so find uh, tenants and guarantee you a yield of five, six, seven percent uh, for, for a period of five years, wow. which is a great deal. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, <clears throat> so you mentioned uh, before that uh, the population is really young, uh, so which is true, and uh, the population is very really technology driven. 
technology-driven often go with uh, co-working co-working space. So we see a big growth uh, of co-working spaces in the country. Uh, so we have uh, we work, of course. We have uh, the Hive. We have uh, many many other uh, actors that try to penetrate the market. The main reason I would say that this market is growing so much is uh, the short age of uh, buildings and especially grade A buildings. So uh, because of this um, and because of the business uh, environment growing a lot, uh, it's really, really hard for, for small startup or companies to find offices uh, where, where to start. Okay, so I do want to follow up on one question, which is um, two cities, two major ones in Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi. And a lot of people who go there would like to know which district or which areas to look for. Uh, good opportunities and good real estate uh, buying options. So what would you say would be, let's start with Ho Chi Minh City, what would you say is a good area to look at? Sure. Uh, so Ho Chi Minh City, uh, what you have to know is that Ho Chi Minh is not the capital, but still the biggest city uh, in, in the country. Uh, so most of the economic uh, business, everything that is business related is almost done in, uh, in Ho Chi Minh. Um, the main district in Ho Chi Minh will be District 1. So this is a histor historically district where you have uh, all the business. Mm. It's really packed. Uh, the traffic jam is quite bad as well, we have to say. Um, then you have other districts around. You have the District 4, which is um, uh, considered as to be the kind of Shang Wan Sain Poon of Hong Kong, I see. where there is a regeneration coming on, uh, very close from the central district with the district one. So very inter interesting in terms of investments. Um, at the north, you have the Bintan district. Uh, so also close to district one, uh, a lot of new projects coming up in this area. In the uh, east of the river, so Saigon River is cutting the, the city in two. In right. the east of the river, you will have uh, District 2. Uh, so District 2 is the district where about everybody is talking about. Um, so it's this very big district, uh, divided, I would say, in three areas. In the north uh, part of the district is Taodian, and Taodian is uh, the, the biggest expat area, uh, so very developed already. A lot of uh, rich Vietnamese living there as well, with a uh, huge villa, and uh, a lot of international schools, hospital in this area. Very, um, it's it's my favorite uh, place in in, uh, in Oshimin because it's really lively. Like you have a lot of cafe, a lot of uh, bars, restaurant by the river, and uh, it's really it's really really cool area. And you have uh, a few projects coming up in this uh, in this area as well. Then in the south of District Two, uh, you have Tenna Lot, uh, where you have a few projects as well, as some Singaporean developers uh, building a new project in this area. Yeah. Very interesting, uh, and only 10 minutes from District 1 currently. And in the middle of these two areas, you have what we call Tuchim, uh, what is compared uh, by all, a lot of people to Pudong in, uh, in yeah. Shanghai, mm. as uh, it has always been a kind of empty area, or a few habitants, but a uh, few houses here and there, but almost empty. Uh, facing District 1, uh, just the river is separating the two. Um, where the government has uh, put a priority of development, uh, so you have um, many projects uh, coming up in this area. Uh, price is actually, actually already quite high because there is a lot of demand. Uh, historically, it has never been linked very well. Uh, so since a few years, you have a, a tunnel going from uh, District 2 to District 1, crossing the river. That's helping a bit, but uh, not enough. And in the north, you have uh, a bridge uh, linking the two, uh, two uh, districts. A lot of traffic jam because there's a lot of connection between those two. And also District 2 is a way to go to District 9, which is a bit further district. So if you go now, you will see uh, the construction of uh, new bridges, uh, working bridge, uh, bridge for cars as well. Yeah. And uh, this district is being linked to the old city. So to Bintan, uh, District 2, and District 4, and District 7 in the south. Yeah. Uh, talking about District 7, so District 7 is the main area for uh, Korean. It's a kind of Korean district. Right. 
because as you know, um, Ho Chi Minh and even Vietnam as a whole has a really big uh, population of Korean uh, people. Uh, and also District 7 has a lot of school and hospital, so it's really expat area oriented as well. So it's uh, at the south of the city. Uh, last district I want to mention is uh, District 9. <coughs> so District 9 is uh, to the east of the city. Uh, so it's uh, you have District 1, District 2, and, and District 9 is to the east. Uh, so a lot of things are happening in District 9 at the moment. So we mentioned before the, the manu manufacturers move uh, from China to, to Vietnam. Uh, so there is a move to both Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh. To Ho Chi Minh, uh, the main area for industrial development is District 9. So you will have uh, companies like Samsung uh, setting up there with uh, factories or Intel or a lot of technology company. To the east of this district, you will also find the high-tech park um, with a lot of university in the same area. And more south of the district, uh, and to the east, you will find the, the new airport, uh, Longtan, mm -hmm. uh, that is only uh, started now. Uh, so I think they're just clearing the, the lands at the moment. We expect the first phase to come uh, in 2025 uh, with a target of 2050 for the last phase and a capacity of 100 million uh, passengers. Wow. Uh, so you have to know that the current airport is actually uh, full capacity. Right. It's more, more visitors coming than the, the normal capacity of the airport. Right. So this new airport will definitely help uh, the city to grow uh, on the international scale. Sounds like District 1, District 2, and District 9 is the place to be. <laughs> well, thanks for all that extensive knowledge. But how about Hanoi? Like, what do we look up for in Hanoi? So for Hanoi, there is also uh, lots of things going on as well. So as you know, if you check on Google Maps, it's a very huge uh, city. But in fact, it's a new city. Uh, before, in the center, it was, that was a Hanoi. It was a small portion. Then, because of the strategy of the government to, uh, to prepare for the coming of the population, they increased the area twice. So first, the west side, so it became like a, the, the, the middle of the Hanoi today, which is the busy area. And then they just extended recently the, the whole Hanoi. So now the region is very big. So if you look at the, uh, the, the density of the population in the city, it's lower than Ho Chi Minh, because yeah. the area is actually much bigger. Um, it's a cultural city, so you, you go there, you can take nice photos, you have like very old towns as well, uh, compared to Ho Chi Minh, which is much more modern. Uh, but not only that, uh, you also have the metro infrastructure which is being developed. And because Hanoi is the, is the capital, so the finance comes from Hanoi first. So they put in on priority the metro infrastructure in Hanoi. So the first line is already completed and it's being tested. So we expect to have um, this line operational by early 2020, wow. so very soon. And there is a specific reason for that why they put the priority. It's because they will have their first Formula One Grand Prix in April 2020. Yeah. So very major event for such a country. So you can see how attractive it is for foreigners. Right? Yeah. In terms of um, factories, so Hanoi is a bit different from Ho Chi Minh. It's, they, are, they, they moved a bit around Hanoi, a bit everywhere. Um, by example, in addition to Samsung, you have uh, Google who moved their factories for the Pixel phone to, to Vietnam as well. So I would say good news for the country. Um, in addition to that, you have a, a place called Haiphong, uh, which is in the southeast of Hanoi. And this is like the major port for the country. So you have 50% of the, of the cargo transport from, uh, for the whole country uh, because, you know, uh, the maritime, uh, import-export uh, transportation is a key in Asia. Right. So that's where they are mainly. And also because Hanoi is very close to China, so it makes it very easy for import-export. Interesting. Them. Yeah. I heard about Haiphong. It's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, just um, they have a new CBD uh, in Hanoi. So in Kaozai, on the west side of the center of Hanoi. So new CBD which has been in place. So you have new projects which, uh, which are being built as well. Uh, one of the biggest lakes is in Taiho. So the, like the, the, the original area of Hanoi, so a very peaceful area. Uh, lots of expats love uh, walking around, investing there because you're across from the CBD and uh, you're in a very peaceful, uh, quiet place as well. Okay. So. 
Yeah, I would like to mention Da Nang as well because um, I think Da Nang is a really important city. Uh, so it's located in the central Vietnam uh, on the coast. And if you look at the level of uh, infrastructure, Da Nang is actually the most developed of the of the three cities. Uh, so we we also looking at this market and uh, working on some project there. So Da Nang and Oyan uh, in the south, where you can see the historical uh, city of Oyan, which is really really beautiful. Uh, so Da Nang, it's actually a mix of uh, industry and uh, tourism. Tourism, of course, uh, thanks to the the long, very long beach uh, you have uh, on the coast, uh, but also there is a big industrial development in the city uh, with the uh, airport very centrally located. And uh, I think Danang will be even at a smaller scale because Danang has only 1.5 million habitants compared to Ho Chi Minh uh, and Hanoi, but Danang will be a, a city to, to follow in the, in the years to come as well. Interesting. And finally, one of the Vietnam has uh, Halong Bay. It's one of the natural wonders in the world. So people who go to Hanoi, they would just spend one or two days in Halong Bay. Very beautiful place to, to visit as well. Right. Uh, to, uh, something to, uh, to remember. Yeah. I think a lot of people have been to Halong Bay is, and not spent too much time in Hanoi, like you said, and they're missing out. I think a lot of things that you said, Antoine, in Ho Chi Minh City, a lot of people have visited it, but I don't think they really actually know what's happening there. Yeah. It's so uh, insightful. All the, all the things that you've mentioned here. Before we end the podcast, guys, I want to end on uh, a question that's quite open. It's this one. What is something that you find very, very obvious that no one is talking about and you just have to bring it to their attention in Vietnam? Anything in Vietnam? Is it the last one? Because we cannot finish on that then. Well, I think... I think um, oh, you make it light. If there's... If there's anything you want to mention to, uh, I think we covered mostly everything. Because here we wanted to mention more about uh, how livable is the country, like people that actually move there and enjoy the like the, the food, like the new like restaurants, uh, yeah, thing, etc., etc. But I don't think we can close on that. So maybe I start with food and you finish with the... I was going to say <laughs> The non-serious one, the serious one. The first, the first one attack wins. Uh, there is one thing. The, um, so there is a trend uh, we saw since uh, a few years. Um, so first of all, you have to know that Vietnamese are very nationalist. Like they, are, they like their country. They have this, this love for the country, you, you could see. The, the young the youth team of, uh, of football did some uh, good results in, in the Southeast Asia Cup uh, last year and the whole country was coming to the streets celebrating and, and there is this thing about uh, being a Vietnamese that is very really, really important for, for, for the young. Uh, so one thing interesting is uh, so after the war uh, there was always those boat people uh, going all over the world. Um, so some people went to the US, Canada, Australia, uh, France, uh, Europe, anywhere. And you have this second generation of, uh, of family, so the, the young people basically, what we call the Viet Q, that are coming back uh, massively to Vietnam. Uh, so first, uh, like Jean-Nicolas mentioned at the beginning, to, to find back their roots, but also for the, the business environment. And, uh, this population, this young population, uh, also drives the dynamism of, of the of the of the country. Yeah. So, in terms of uh, of living there, mm -hmm. uh, you can you you can see that the cities are more and more livable in terms of uh, gastronomy, in terms of uh, way of living, uh, more and more restaurants and bars uh, opening. Every time we go, we we discover something new. Very interesting, and uh, you have this uh, French colony uh, thing of uh, having the good life, you know, the way of living that is very, really, really uh, uh, obvious when you go there. So people are hard worker, but also like to enjoy and have a good life. So you will find uh, good food and a uh, good way of living. And uh, this is really something that uh, strikes me uh, every time I go there. Yes. I, I think uh, that's just an interesting fusion of uh, East and West. In this one, it will be uh, 
there's this interesting um, history, I suppose, with uh, the French being there. And now the enterprising and entrepreneurial young Vietnamese now taking over exactly. and making it their, their, or leaving their own mark on everything. Exactly. Yeah, nice. How about John Nicholas? What about you? So we will never repeat it end of the, the population uh, as in turn introduced. If you look at, I mean, it's the same for any country in the world. You look at the population, how they behave, how they think. That's what makes a difference in the country. So first you have this huge population and they are so young, they are so hungry. It can only make the country better. So I would think that's one of the key points I want to make sure that our viewers uh, know about. Why I moved from Europe to Asia? Yeah. It's because I believe that Asia is where it's something happening, right? Uh, new continent and be part of that, uh, that evolution. So China now is more stable and Vietnam is following behind. So I wanted to be part of that and also to, to share with our clients to also be involved in that, uh, in that country as well. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Now for me, the, I mean, you look at the numbers uh, on papers, I mean, it can only get better. Yeah. The population is so huge compared to what you are seeing right now in the city. Right. It's undersupplied. So just on paper, on the numbers, I would say there's no risk. Uh, you can go safely in the country and be part of that, uh, that uh, mm -hmm. economy. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so before we end, how can people find you? And how can they connect with you? So we have the website, redstoneasia.com.hk or you can contact us directly uh, on, on LinkedIn, mobile, social LinkedIn, media. Facebook, yeah. we are available. Yeah. Uh, we are based in Hong Kong, so we are always happy to meet clients, answer questions, uh -huh. any type of questions as well. So. I'm sure there will be a lot. <laughs> and hopefully after this podcast, uh, more people will find you guys. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been thank a pleasure. You, thank you, Antoine. Thank you. Thank you, John Nicholas. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, and.